Hi, and welcome to episode 137 of No Crying in Baseball. The world is burning. You should smile more. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. This week sucks. It sure does. This fucking year sucks. It's been a rough time. I'm trying to like just smile and bear through this. It is kind of hard to just be our our usual witty selves when everything is fucking in flames around us. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about how there's that that trope of men telling women, oh, just you should smile more, like no matter Uh what's going on. And that's kind of how I feel right now when all this stuff is coming down around us. It's like, oh, you know, you're fine. It'll be okay. And I'm just not feeling that right now. I'm feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, we went downtown yesterday to DC and, um, and didn't get into the, to the real thick of things, but we're in the car protest with Black Lives Matter and got out a little bit at the end. And just to see the amount of people in support really was, was pretty intense. And we'll get to that a little bit more in, in a minute, how it overlaps with baseball, but it's all around us. I mean, it's, and it's everywhere. That's the, the wild thing, kind of like the virus, you know, it's like every city in the country has their story of what's going on with protests, peaceful, not so peaceful things falling apart. Yeah. I think we just want to acknowledge the context in which we're doing today's show. We're not Mm -hmm. treating anything lightly. We understand what's happening around us and we are completely invested in what's happening around us. And also we are going to talk about baseball within, within that bigger, bigger context. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. On today's show, the world is burning and it's really hard to think about baseball right now, but we'll stick to sports like we always do in the context of labor and race and immigration and gender equity. Yeah, that's how we talk about sports. We're talking about the present and the future of minor leagues with our guest Bobby Kuhn of the Pulling the Tarp podcast. We will catch you up Um, in the latest of MLB negotiations about trying to get a season off the ground. And as always, we will get you caught up on international baseball. But first, hey, Potty Mouth, stick to sports, damn it. I don't understand that phrase anymore. I mean, every time there's an issue and things come up on Twitter and sports people state their opinions, they get the stick to sports back at them. But you know what? Sports in itself has a lot of oppression, uh, sports in itself has had history of racism and history of discrimination in other ways. And women aren't in baseball. And there's so much already in there that to say to not protest it doesn't make any sense to my brain. Right. I mean, this is a microcosm. Sports are a microcosm. They absolutely are. They affect they, they have tentacles that reach into all parts of our daily lives. And frankly, the people who are saying things like stick to sports are also jumping in, expressing opinions about labor issues in baseball and, you know, other other issues in baseball. I'm like, OK, well, that's not your job. So stick to accounting or, you know, right. st- stick to whatever it is you do, buddy. Thankfully, I appreciate I deeply and I'm not flipped about this. I deeply appreciate that Major League Baseball players are speaking out and speaking from the heart about all the things that are going down this week, about the murder of a black man in Minneapolis, about about protests, about violence or not violence, about what it's uh, about equity, about having a voice. I so much I appreciate them. 
Absolutely, because you look at sports figures in many ways as your role models. So I would want my role model to also be an intelligent, ethical, moral human being. And the ones who have spoken out, and I'm not going to go into details because, you know, frankly, I actually didn't write them down, but also we don't probably don't have time for all of it. But there are players who have been active on Twitter. And Lucas Giolito of the White Sox, somebody I did not know before this, has been outspoken and basically, you know, said straight to the stick it to sports, like, nah, I'm not sticking to sports. Um, Sean Doolittle, we have grown to just assume that he's going to do the right thing. And I really think he should be commissioner of baseball someday. He's just such an amazing human being. If you don't follow him on Twitter, do that right now. Um, Cole Tucker of the Pirates, who I appreciated for his flow before when we were talking about the uh, the online game, the what whatever it was, the show, that was it. For the Pirates, he's been out there doing some quotes. And Marcus Stroman doesn't, doesn't hold back at all, for sure. I got to say, when um, I, I looked at some of these and... My the one that really struck me was um, Andrew McCutcheon, who said, mm-hmm. "I don't want pity. I want change." Just put it right out there. Um, Dexter Fowler and Adam Wainwright had a really good exchange. Um, I I appreciate the amplification of black voices that's happening mm-hmm. in baseball. There are white players saying what they feel, but they are also using their platform to amplify the voices of players of color. And yeah, I. And- yeah, McCutcheon and uh, and Stroman, they both are also just such nice, funny guys on a regular basis on Twitter as well. So this makes it so much more personable in, in a lot of ways, because at the same time, I think McCutcheon had this really cute video of him wearing his kid's little tiny baseball hat. So these are I mean, it's just we're all real people. It's the whole real people thing. Yeah, and it, there's, it, you get the whole picture. You get the, mm-hmm. the whole person. Yeah, I like that. Right. And, and w- this all also a huge moment for this country was cross-training a little bit with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And there's the whole, you know, that's a huge thread now saying, like, you said that wasn't okay. He was trying peaceful protest every week and people had an issue with that. And so what do you expect? Like, if, you, if you're going to not allow peaceful protest, this is going to come out somewhere. Um, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, did you read that article? He's, he read that. It's fabulous. Yeah. So once again, we're all for our sports heroes expressing their opinion and getting out there and using those platforms for good. You know, we're going to be talking about the minor leagues this week because there is so much to talk about. So we decided to invite somebody, a special guest to join us to talk about the minors. We would like to welcome Bobby Kuhn, who is the host of the Pulling the Tarp podcast, which has so much about the minors in so many different ways. Thank you for joining us, Bobby. Thank you for having me, ladies. I'm excited to join you this afternoon. Very happy to have you. We're going to start you off with a question we start all of our guests off with as an introduction, which is, what's your personal connection to baseball? Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Well, I grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, which people know as the home of the Little League World Series. Um, And then also, I grew up about two minutes away from the Williamsport Crosscutters ballpark, historic Bowman Field. So I grew up going to games a lot there. And then um, I actually interned for them after college. And I worked uh, for uh, for three minor league teams 
over the course of about eight years um, as food and beverage, um, media relations and marketing, uh, graphic design, uh, you know, everything under the sun, really. Sales, everything. Very nice. And it's always a little bit of everything in the minors, isn't it? No matter what job you have, you're going to be pulling the tarp. Is that Mm -hmm. how it goes down? Absolutely. So we wanted to check in with you now uh, for sort of like the inside scoop of, or the inside view on all the upheaval of what's going on right now. So we we know there's been a a shit ton of cuts this week. Um, Some of them would have been cut anyway. We know that. But most teams have let a lot of people go. Some that we'll talk about pay in a minute because there's some combo where some teams are paying but did cuts. Um, there's the Royals who aren't cutting anybody. But what is it like in a normal year? Can you put this sort of in context to us as how cuts normally go down and maybe what you think about what's going on now? Yeah, I mean, there's usually cuts after spring training. Um, and then usually about halfway through the minor league season, there's cuts as well. Um, and then, of course, in the off season. Um, but yeah, there's definitely more so now, um, because teams can't afford to pay the minor leaguers, um, as little as it sounds, it's just, if you're not having any, any money come in, you just can't, you just can't afford to, to pay people. So is, is the assumption there that there's just not going to be a minor league season? Um, everybody that I talk to is still hopeful, um, but the chances, you know, it, when I when I started the podcast in February, you know, we were all gung ho, you know, season's going to start in yeah. April. And then um, as time went on, we're like, all right, well, maybe maybe they're going to have a half a season and then maybe they're going to have X amount of games. And and it's just kind of like people people are still working very hard if there is a season in the minor leagues. But um you know, as time goes on, it just doesn't seem very likely. I, I want to go back to that idea of there's not enough to pay them um, and, and sort of where that comes from, because I see a lot of I mean, obviously, there's a lot of difference between how much different teams are paying. Right. So why is it say that, you know, the Royals can pay, but the A's are not paying? You, wh- where do those decisions come from, do you think? Well, I'm going to speak um, freely here. Um, and I, I worked for an A's affiliate for, oh, wow. for four years and money was always an issue. And I, you know, work working in the front office, um, dealing with the players every day, the coaching staff, um, and then with, with our team president and everything like that and us waiting, waiting for checks and whatnot. Um, Money was always an issue with Oakland. Now, I, I love Oakland as an organization. I, I root on those guys all the time, but mm-hmm. it's just some, some organizations are better off than others as far as financially, you know, as financial situations go. So do you think it's, it's money management as opposed to resources or like a combination? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't truly know the answer. Um, but you know, speaking as Oakland, mm-hmm. they're kind of a smaller organization as far as um, they're not drawing as many fans. Um, it's just a smaller market team, if you will. 
Um, so, so yes, I, I do believe that there's just not as much to pull from there. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just depends on the organization. I feel. It's so interesting. I mean, I'm just looking at the list of the teams that are paying and the teams that aren't paying mm-hmm. yeah, paying we, through August. We, yeah. Sorry. Let's, let's get up to the big picture for a second about the pay so that our listeners know what's happening as well. Okay. Yeah. So initially the minor leagues were going to be paid a four, all the players were going to be paid a $400 a week stipend, which was going to run out basically today, the end of we're recording on Sunday, which is the end of May. Yep. And then teams from here on out are making different decisions about what's happening going forward. Like we've mentioned, the A's have said, we're done. We're not paying anybody. The Reds are the upper end of this. The Reds are going to pay their minors, their minor league players through what will have been the end of the season, which is the end of August. So, Depending on where players, how they're how they're affiliated right now, that means they're either going to get some pay or they're not going to get any pay. Not all the pay that continues is going to be four hundred dollars. Some teams might make that a little bit smaller. So, what what does this mean for players? I mean, if I understand this right, the players are still tied to the team, so they're not really unemployed, so they can't apply for unemployment. They're just either going to get paid or they're going to starve. Yeah, it's just it's just a really uh, crappy situation. Like they are expected to work out and be ready if the season starts, um, if they're required to go back to spring training complexes, but they can't seek employment elsewhere, um, f- you know, for lots of reasons, but yet they're not getting paid and they, and they can't collect unemployment. So it's just, I, I don't know what they can do um, besides get jobs that, that pay them cash, <laughs> but so the, the the side job that you have to do when while you're working out and while you're being ready, yeah, all the time trying to be a professional player. Yeah. So when and teams I, are, yep. And I was I was just going to say I, I know a lot of guys um, do coaching um, or do one on one sessions with um, with kids during the off season. Um, so I would just suggest that they do keep doing that, and if they start doing it, if they're not already. Yeah, if they can right now, right. With, you know, whatever social distancing is in place mm-hmm. and all of that. I'm wondering how the, how the teams this year are treating the minor leagues, how that's going to affect them in the future. Um, you know, what's the rela- – I mean, are, are players going to say, no, I want no part of you because of what you did to those guys last year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just I, – I know players, when they get drafted or they get signed as free agents um, – they are they are weary depending on which organization um, chooses them because I, I know a player that uh, won a college World Series and the Oakland A's called him up and said we're going to draft you and he said you don't have the money to to, <laughs> to take me or to pay me what I'm worth so don't take me well they ended up picking him anyways so um, it's just yeah I mean a lot of players are going to be weary about about the future um and pursuing their dream because if if, depending on how an organization treats their players now um because if something else happens like this again they're they're going to think about this time and moment and and Mm kind of just go off of that yeah i I mean what i was looking at was i it's hard to figure out where teams that have money and teams that don't have money 
it doesn't seem to sort of split that way because the Red Sox are paying through August. Yeah, they have money. But also the Marlins and the Padres, the Padres, I think, were the first ones to come out and say that they were going to support their players. And the Royals, like these aren't, I mean, I'm interested that the Yankees, I, I don't think have said anything yet. Um, but it seems to be sort of a hodgepodge as far as, you know, how many, how much finances you think a team would be bringing in and what they've agreed to do or not to do. Although, you know, I guess the A's, it, it tracks, but. And um, and I do think it, the decision comes from higher up as far as the owners go. I I was listening to your guys' podcast that you put out this past week and you guys were talking about the angels. They can certainly afford it with, with their owner mm -hmm. um, being worth as much as he is. And they just refuse not to. Whereas Oakland, I I really think that they literally cannot. So it's it's just higher ups and and what they can afford and what they can't. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just a shitty situation, clearly. Yeah, and and to to piggyback on what Patty was just saying too about players, you know, resenting certain teams. Well, with the draft being cut way back, yeah, there's going to be less options for anybody at this point. So, like, how much flexibility do they really have? I mean, you're sort of, you know, caught even more than usual. For yeah, like, and that opens up, up and the, take it. That opens up the doors for players to kind of choose where they want to go, be since there's only going to be five rounds. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like right now, like the hope for minor league players to continue getting paid are the major league players that are doing it out of the goodness right. of their heart. Like, you know, David Price, who hasn't even played a game as a Dodger yet, is mm -hmm. you know going to pay $1,000 to every minor league player in the Dodger system. And I want to note that he did not necessarily want this publicized, but I guess one of the recipients said thank you publicly, okay. and that's how that got out. But oh, like Daniel, interesting. You know, Daniel Murphy and his family are paying minor leaguers. We talked about um, who was it from the the Rangers associate, you know, Rangers organization. Oh, yeah, Sinchin uh, Chu. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there are players that are stepping up, and that just seems like that's great that these are generous guys. But I hate that they have to. Yeah. And, and the way that it's playing out in the public too, is, you know, everybody can see how much the players are making. So like, that's a tangible thing for the typical fan who goes, you know, I don't make however many million dollars a year. Sure. They can suck it up, but they don't see what the owners are making. Like that's not public information. So we're dealing with, you know, not full, fully um, divulged what we're, what we're looking at. And so it's harder for people to say, who should be paying right? or to have any sympathy for the players when you don't have anything to compare it to. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's weird that it's just like a matter of luck. Like, are you, are you playing in a, in a, for a team that's affiliated with somebody who's got one of those guys who's willing to write these checks or not? It just doesn't seem equitable in any way. Do you have any predictions about how you see like this year ending up? What, everything's a mess. The draft is a mess. The season's a mess. The is a pandemic. The, the world is burning. A lot of things are happening right now. I mean, and then, and guys, like we just said, aren't going to be able to get drafted. What the heck? Everything is, is such a, uh, shit show right now um, yeah. in, the, in the minor leagues. Um, especially because not only are we doing, dealing with the pandemic and paying players and if we're going to have a season or not, but there's there's also the fact that the PBA is coming up and all 
you don't know if teams are going to get cut or if they're going to be realigned into another division or if they're going to keep their affiliation. Um, yeah, I, I, I know there are lots of people in the minor leagues working hard if there is a season and they're go- they're going to be ready to go. Um, but yeah, I, I feel bad for the places that are on the list um, to contract and this was supposed to be their last go around and it's, and it's not happening. It's really going out with a sizzle, man. If that's how it happens. I mean, it's just going to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Is, is that help, hope? I like, I keep hanging on to a thread of hope on that. I just can't fucking believe that they're going to cut 40 teams. That's really happening. I know. And, and quite frankly, teams that I've worked for um, teams that I grew up going to are going to be affected by this. Um, probably. And I mean, I, I think Beloit, Wisconsin is safe because I'll, I'll believe it when I see the pictures of the new stadium uh, being, being built there. Um, but that, that is supposed to save them. Um, and I put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into their existing stadium. Um, and it, it is, you guys, I don't know where you guys grew up going to minor leagues, but this this is basically a high school field with a uh, a trailer for a press box and concess you know concessions and that's about it. But it seems like one when that initial list of the of forty two was written, they said, oh, because they don't. One of the things was they don't have the facilities that are up to par. But now you're talking Williamsport, you know, initially, and they're saying that was that's on the list too, right? The Williamsport yeah. team, and that's that ballpark is where they have, you know, an MLB game every year yeah. during the Little League World Series. So how the heck? Yeah, I, and I think that that might be the only thing that saves them, quite honestly. Um, and attendance isn't bad, but the stadium is over a hundred years old. I mean, is it really? You, yes, and um, you you can you can it's you can only dress it up so much. They've done so much to the stadium to to make it, to make it worthwhile. Um, they've done so, MLB did a lot to it because they're hosting those games. Um, but they've they've really fixed that stadium up, and but you can only do so much to a stadium that's. 110 years old at this point. So yeah. yeah one of these days I've got to stop there. I, I drive through Williamsport. My kid goes to school in Rochester and we're in okay. DC. That's yeah. the halfway point. So yeah. I, we drive through there we went back and forth to school and I still have not stopped to uh, catch a game. I'm like, oh, one of these days, hopefully be yeah. well, if I ever get to a chance again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hopefully. So we wanted to ask you as we're sort of wrapping down, um, how to get out of this mess. What do you, if, if we put you in charge, if you're in charge of all minor leagues, what's your ideal picture? What's your vision of how minor league should work? How should it be structured? Any sort of words of advice? Like if you're suddenly the, the head honcho. I would rearrange some leagues um, to have affiliates uh, near the major league clubs. Um, because quite frankly, that doesn't make sense in my opinion. Um, I worked in the Midwest league for four years and as you can imagine, so there's only, there's only two leagues as far as low A goes, there's the South Atlantic league and the Midwest league. So teams like 
Oakland and Anaheim, well, not Anaheim, but Los Angeles Angels, um, they they have teams affiliated in the Midwest League, and it just doesn't coincide like with fans' minds. Um, so being an Oakland affiliate in Wisconsin just doesn't really work. But other than that, I think you I think you um, say each team is going to have X amount of affiliates, whether that be four or five. I don't really know where you go from there. All I know is that I'm going to be sad for small communities um, that I've lived in and worked in that are going to lose teams. And that is a really important part of, of a community, not in, not just the baseball aspect. Those teams do a lot in the community as far, as far as baseball camps, as far as, um, sending players out to libraries and, and reading in, in schools and, and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's more than baseball when it, when it comes to your minor league team in your town. Yeah, it makes so much more sense to sort of look at, I mean, minor league teams have changed affiliations in the past, right? Yeah, that, that's something that happens. So like your vision of sort of look at everything, reapportion it geographically and equalize things between um, major league teams seems like a really sound proposal to, to keep things going as opposed mm-hmm. to, ah, eh, let's just slash some stuff. Right. I think you've got our vote, Bobby. We we would happily put oh. you in charge if, you, if if this is what you're going for here. Yeah, yeah, Perfect. especially because the, the Nats. What was it, uh, Patty? That the, when the AAA moved out to Fresno, Fresno, the Fresno Grizzlies, just, yeah. and it, it's, it doesn't make sense because if you have a player on the other side of the country to pull him up, you're dealing with time change. You're dealing with travel time. Like they were they were keeping people at AA and pulling yep. them up from there just because yeah. it's easier closer, to deal yeah. with. Yeah. yeah, and and I guess that means that nobody really wanted to go to Fresno is 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 what it comes down to, um, be, because quite frankly we dealt with the same thing in the Midwest League. It was it was between Oakland and and uh, the Diamondbacks, and you know it's so so yeah it yeah it may, it doesn't make sense geographically wise, but it happens at this point. And we definitely hear you about the whole community building aspect of minor league teams. And so a piece of it is that's the place where the community can go and gather and hang out and get together yeah. and have fun as a family in one place. And it's also in a lot of these places, there is no major league team anywhere nearby. Right. Exactly. So this is your only access to baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, w- growing up in Williamsport, if I wanted to go to a major league game, it was oh. closest would be three hours to Philadelphia. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So if our listeners want to hear more about minor leagues on a regular basis, I'm thinking that your podcast might be the place to go. I'm glad you asked. Yes. <laughs> uh, the pulling tart podcast. It's something that I started um, in February. And I, as I said, I worked eight years in the minor leagues and um, I worked with some fantastic people and it's me interviewing other people that work in minor league baseball, I think that they have a have a voice that needs to be heard, and they deserve the spotlight. And um, so, yeah, it's just me interviewing other people in minor league baseball. We talk about everything under the sun, um, including pulling tarp. Excellent. How can people reach you if they have some follow up questions? They want to get in touch. Perfect. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at 
It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Bobby. This has been great. We really appreciate the perspective from somebody who's been inside minor league baseball for so long. Very happy to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you, ladies. Uh, Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Bobby Kuhn for talking to us from inside the minor leagues and giving us his take on all the crap that's been going down in the world of minor league baseball this week and weeks prior. There's also a lot of activity in major league baseball because the next round of proposals came out to the players union. This one about how would the season work and primarily how we're not going to pay you for this one either. So here's where we are with that. Major league baseball presented a plan to the players union suggesting even more pay cuts. Now to be clear, The Players Union and Major League Baseball negotiated back in March a pay cut of about 50%. It was like a prorated salary. It was for, you know, they get paid for half the season, basically. And if they play, they would get paid on a prorated basis. MLB now says, oh, well, all of that was based on games having fans in attendance. But if there aren't any fans there, all bets are off and we should start from scratch. And the players are having none of that. So the proposal they put out this week are suggesting that the players at the top, the ones who are making more money, take a larger percentage of a pay cut. And then the guys getting like the league minimum, having still an enormous pay cut, but not as large. And their hope was to kind of drive this wedge in the union itself, pit the guys who make millions against the guys who make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. That's not working. The union is speaking with one voice about this because these guys who are making the league minimum want to be those guys that are making millions of dollars. They admire those guys. Those guys have earned that. They have gone through, they have paid their dues and gotten to the point where they are allowed to negotiate a higher salary. And these guys who are making the league minimum want to get there. So this whole driving this wedge thing is not working. It is a no-go for the players. Um, Max Scherzer, you know, pitcher for the Nationals, is on the executive uh, board, executive committee for the players union. He came out and said, you know what? You've given no justification for more cuts. If you want to even talk about more cuts for players, show us the books. We've talked before about how it's a mystery. You know, Major League Baseball says, oh, we'll lose money if we play more games. And the players saying, show us. Show us the math. Open up your books. And then, you know, we can work from there. But what the, ma- what the Major Leagues did instead was they presented a plan they knew wasn't going to work. They didn't come at it from like a good faith negotiating. They threw, you know, they threw a, a Molotov cocktail in there, basically. Mm-hmm. We're just going to blow this up. So that stinks. It seems like the, you know, the the general opinion out in the world of sports journalism is they feel like games are going to get played eventually, but it's going to go down to the wire. And the wire is like in two weeks, because if they're going to start in July, they need three weeks of spring training, which starts like mid-June, and they got to get this organized by then. I still, I don't want them to play. And every, all these opinion pieces are like, oh, you know, the world will will end if we don't have baseball. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, the world is already ending, so screw it. Let's just come back next year. But ah, very right, things are fucked up enough. But then there's the health issue. Like, I feel like that's still not solved. It's not. I still so, don't understand how they're going to stay safe doing this with or without fans. Yeah, they're not. So, um, <laughs> so the union still needs to respond to that. They have, they, I think they went back to MLB wow. with many questions and clarifying questions and suggestions. That seems to be more of a good faith negotiation than the salary stuff. 
And again, the players are saying, listen, you're asking us to be the ones who take on all the health risk. And you mm-hmm. also want us to be the ones that bear the financial cut. How about you guys? How about you guys kicking in a little here? You know, interesting parallel, what's going on in Korea. They are not unionized. However, they are being paid their regular salaries with or without fans. And their fan date just got set back again because there's been a little bit of an upsurge in cases in Korea and it's not affecting their pay. And there was a statement from our friend um, Jiho that said that teams wouldn't want to look bad by taking money away from the players. And I was thinking, huh, like that's another way of looking thing. Yeah, seriously. Yep. And right now, you know, MLB is counting on fans seeing the players as the greedy ones with actually no basis. Yeah. Yeah. But in reality... Like we had said before, some players are doing good things, like with David Price um, paying the minors. And for anybody who might be new to this podcast and hung until now, what we usually do is talk about our boys baseball boyfriends. And these are guys that we each pick from each team because they're a special something, not just cool on the field, but they do other cool things off the field. And so we, we've been trying to check in on them a little bit because a lot of them have been stepping up because they're our kind of guys. And Mookie Betts, who is almost my forever baseball boyfriend, we change every year, but we can keep one. Um, but he changed. So what, what I, was I going to do? I let him go when he went to the Dodgers. You set but him free. He, I set him free. Yeah, I'm a little sad. He's home in Nashville, though, and went shopping at, at the Kroger's in his hometown and bought groceries for all the people around him. And then bought pizza for the, all the employees at the at the supermarket. So it's just little things like that. And I think, like you had said with David Price before, they're not looking for this stuff to be publicized. It's like during the playoffs last year when Mookie Betts fed homeless people in Boston. They just do it. Somebody finds it. You know, there are people around. They're going to spread it. We have social media. But it's really cool to see what we do see of these guys doing things to give back. And back to the other side of the world in international baseball, here is your quick rundown because I'm still doing breakfast baseball as much as possible. I know you are too with the CPBL in Taiwan, the Chinese Professional Baseball League. I am too, now that it's largely stopped raining for a while because, man, last week was rough. That totally sucked. It did suck. Yeah, it's and as a Lions fan, I've got to say, things are still a little bit rough. I mean, the Lions won yesterday, but today they lost in a heartbreaker. They almost came back. But they almost came back. It was a squeaker. I mean, that's it was blowouts before, man. The Lions are coming back. They really are. I appreciate your I appreciate your um, enthusiasm about this. They're still at 387 at the bottom of the four team heap. So, so, but that's good. But you know what? They have the killer mascot dance. Did you see Saba Boy and Lion dancing this morning? I did. I was a little disturbed and also fascinated by it. It was quite a thing. (laughs) There's a really sweet picture that I was going to retweet of the two of them with their arms around each other, sort of gazing off at the sun in the field. And it's a back view. So you can see. So Saba Boy is the fish head who's a mascot of the lions for some reason. And, and so again, it's, a fish head, like it's a, a fish cut off. I mean, like you're looking inside the fish when you see him from behind. It's, it's yeah. Disturbing. So like lion's arm around this like, you know. Open wound. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, okay. <laughs> There's that. The saddest thing about the lions, though, is that their home run streak got broken. They, they now hold the record of 23 games in a row with a home run, but it broke. And then they started a new one today. So, or yesterday, I think. I think it just broke for one day. So that's a little bit sad, but there's hope. They can do it again. Um, 
But your team, the Monkees, are still, after how many weeks have we been saying this? They're still so the many. only team over 500? So many. I was I was hopeful because yesterday when I looked at the stats, the brothers had just hit 500, but they are no longer at 500. Maybe by the time you hear this podcast, dear listeners, they will be they will be back up. Taiwan is dealing with the virus. They are 47 days without a local case, which means that June 7th, they're expecting full crowds. And that will be a sight to behold if you're not watching Breakfast Baseball yet. I highly recommend that you do so. If you like the ESPN variety for some ungodly reason, there is the Korean Baseball Organization, which is also fun to follow. I'm just not so keen on the announcing. Um, My team, the Dinos, are still on top. The Wyverns, Patty's team, your team, is no longer on the bottom, at least as at the time of recording. It's a the comeback. E- Woo, watch it, out. They, they have a huge comeback. The Eagles have taken that place. So the Wyverns are now 7-16. and 16. The Eagles are 6-17. and 17. So it is kind of neck and neck down there. But the Wyverns have a couple of, uh, well, one, one good news. It's a good news, bad news kind of thing. The good news is they have this pitcher who is first start. Um, and he ha- had a perfect game going into the fifth, and he came out with the win. And for a guy's debut to be that strong, I'm hoping that that is a good omen for the future of your Wyverns. And the cool thing about this guy, his name is Lee. I can't pronounce very well. I should have checked this out. Lee Gung Wook. Um, he beat Shohei Otani in a pitcher's duel at the U18 Baseball World Cup in 2012. So how about that? So that that's on. Well. Yeah, I think that's good for the Wyverns. He was uh, plagued by injuries for a few years, which is why he's just starting now. Plus, they have two years of military in Taiwan in Korea. Sorry, wrong country in Korea. Uh, the bad news for the Wyverns is their big power hitter fractured his tibia. So that's that win some, you lose some. I want to add some detail to what Potty Mouth said earlier about um, fans coming to KBO games. So the plan was initially mm-hmm. to start selling tickets at a 30% level this weekend, like right like the time of recording this weekend. They were going to start allowing some fans in, but they had a three-day increase in cases. They had 79 new cases on Thursday, which is the most in eight weeks. Wow. So the plans are on hold for fans in ballparks. They've also reinstituted some social distancing and they've asked a variety of businesses to close. They haven't mandated it, but they've, they're asking, you know, all the, the shops and bars and things to ratchet things back to try to get this under control. And so schools too. too. Yeah, schools. Oh. Like yours truly as a che- teacher who have been, who's been looking at this, they tried to start schools again and they had to come back. So it makes me, me nervous for what we're going to be doing in the fall. If that's not enough baseball to distract you, we have some fake baseball also, the Dream Bracket 2. So this we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. This is a bunch of ideal teams. And some teams actually have two because they're from different years. But of course, the ones that first come to my mind are the 04 Red Sox and the 2019 Nationals. The Nats, unfortunately, have not made it, but we're down to the quarterfinals. So that means there are only eight teams left. And what makes me most happy about this, and I, I'm going to like almost start laughing. This is this is good. I need a moment of happiness on this podcast. There are no Yankees teams involved. Woohoo! Is that a shocker? Yeah. So there's a Cleveland team still in there. Yay. 
Yeah. So here's the bummer, though. The Red Sox go against the Cleveland team. So it's That's the 04 Red you. Sox. <laughs> well, we'll oh. see. Okay. Oh. This, so the worst thing is that you, dear listeners, probably don't give a shit about what I'm saying if you're paying attention to this because it goes down the day between we record and the day the podcast drops. So if you want to know the results more than I'm giving you right now, you can find it really easily. But the 04 Red Sox are going against a 54 Cleveland team. So you will know who won. Whereas Patty and I 54 Cleveland team, not a 54 Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oops. Thank you. (laughs) Yep. Yep. The, the one and only 54 Cleveland team. Thank you. The other teams that are involved that maybe we care a little bit about, but not quite as much are the 42 Monarchs are going against the 01 Mariners. Talk about a matchup. Like that's, that's going to be wild as far as style of play and stuff like that. Uh, 75 Reds against the 60 Pirates and the 86 Mets against the 95 Braves. So my ultimate curiosity is, wouldn't it be cool if the 04 Red Sox beat the 86 Mets in the final of this all? Because I remember 1986 when the 86 Red Sox could not handle the 86 Mets. So if we have to shove it forward a couple decades to beat them, you know, any any which way we can get it. That would it's be ador- fun for me. It's adorable that you think the 04 <laughs> Red Sox are going to get that far. I'm throwing in for the Reds again, the 75 Reds, just saying that right now. You're going to say that's all time? Yeah. That kind of makes sense. All yeah. right. We'll see. If that's a not what if for you, there is a what if, what if derby going on right now. And I'm not really clear about how this is going. I think it's by fan vote on Twitter, but it's a what if home run derby in the same sort of way as this dream bracket thing. Like what if Barry Bonds went up against, um, I think it's uh, Belly Bellinger was the that vote that I saw. I, I, I'm not sure how it's happening. I couldn't find more information, but if you want to think what if, you can check it out. I think it's got to be lame, though, because Babe Ruth is not in it, nor is Willie Mays, nor is Albert Pujols, nor is Jim Har- Tomei, but I Bryce mean, it, Harper is. If, if you're going to do fake baseball, it, it seems like you could do a better job at it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, well. Hey, lost in this whole week of the world being on fire was something that actually does mean something to us. And we just didn't actually get a chance to celebrate it, which is Women in Baseball Day. Yeah. Happy Women in Baseball Day, my fellow women in baseball. Right back at you. That was technically yesterday, Saturday. We're recording on Sunday. So in your hearts, dear listeners, think about women in baseball. Yeah, and and super appreciation. We were tagged on a few posts on that on Twitter, so I def I very much appreciate that. And my reaction was, we must acknowledge this with everything we have, even if it's the day after or two days after. Until every day is Women in Baseball Day. Yes, please. So this week, I'm going to hope the rain continues to hold off in Taiwan. I'm hoping that the world stops burning, and we find some leadership and some peace. Because uh, no justice, no peace, man. Um, so hang in there, people. Be well. If you want another fun distraction with us, we're going to be guests on the Rants with Danny She podcast. And we had Danny on talking about the CPBL a couple weeks ago, and we're going to be talking to him tonight. So we will find information for how to find us on that. Looking forward to it. In the meantime, if you want to find us on social media, Potty Mouth can help you out with that. I sure can. Find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. Shoot us a line at ncipodcast at gmail.com. All right, folks, stay inside, wear your masks, wash your hands, be well. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. <laughs> <laughs>